today is the final segment of our 2010s discussion. And then what do we have planned for next week? We're going to talk about a film from the 2010s. And then what do we have planned for the Hell. week after that? We're going to talk about another film from the 2010s. Dude, let's go. Bro, the 2010s are where it is at. There's some, like, random audience member holding their copy of Breakfast Club, like, where's the 80s? Just out Where's Yar, where's the 80s? <laughs> Don't worry, Pirate Susie, we're coming for you. Don't you worry. Yar. <laughs> so, we kind of ran out of time last recording to talk about honorable mentions of the 2010s we haven't really talked about yet. So this is almost like our final bonus episode, per se. So we're just going to throw in there and talk about more films we loved from this past decade. That sound good to you, gentlemen? Yeah, baby. Nice, nice. Well, before we start, I actually have a little surprise prepared for my amigos. What is it? Tell us, Jack. I'm, I'm Please, really, I, Jack. I genuinely don't know this surprise, so I'm... I'm, I'm I genuinely <laughs> don't know either. What do you got? Is it, so, it better be? Is it? Is it sexy? <laughs> it, you know, it could be interpreted that way. There's one actor in particular, part of Ooh. this process. Who, Ooh. Basically, there are certain popular films from the past decade we haven't really talked about a lot that I thought I would kind of throw in a little improvised session of questioning for my co-host. I have five questions prepared on my phone that I'm going to throw your way. And I want to get your answers regarding your thoughts on the past decade. All okay. right. What they Let's be, the First question. We talked about how Last Jedi was our favorite Star Wars film from this past decade. Yes. D- wait. I actually have a question about that. You're good. Do we, What's up? Do we count the Clone Wars uh, season finale as uh, a movie or shows? So technically, that came out like 2020, didn't it? Oh, this I past guess so. Week. Yeah, fine. You're right. Of 2010. Good, good, no, good question. We support Clone Wars here. Good question, Colin. Amen. Sorry, okay. I didn't. No, think you're good. You're good. Before I spoke. Question one: If Last Jedi was our favorite Star Wars film from this past decade, what was the worst Star Wars film from this past decade? Oh, what a question! It, it's got to be either Solo or Rise, right? I mean, that seems obvious to me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all on the same page, boys. Where's the yeah. fun in that? <laughs> I don't know. No argument, no debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's no fun. There, There's one thing in Solo that I find incredible, and it's the part where he gets dropped in the pit with Chewie for the first time, and then he goes, like he's trying to communicate, and Chewie's like, <laughs> and he's like, and then Chewie's like, and he goes, I speak a little. <laughs> he did that so well. Like, yeah, I thought Colin, I was watching. Incredible. I could visualize the scene in my head. Calm down, Colin. You're making this look good. <laughs> so I honestly, I like Rise of Skywalker a little bit more than Solo. Just because I think Rise of Skywalker is kind of self-aware of how stupid it is. <laughs> if that makes sense. Nice. Like that opening score title crawl where they reference the Fortnite event and it's just kylo going on his killing spree the Fortnite? Like, wait whoa whoa the Fortnite event what are you yeah, talking that, about do you know nothing of this call i know yeah, caleb, nothing caleb zero i know nothing <laughs> so gonna educate they, the audience out there before the the film was released 
to theaters, there is a Fortnite at like a Star Wars event. Okay. Okay. And during this event, Palpatine essentially like. So in the crawl, you see like it's just so I'm sorry, dumb. Like, it's just so dumb. Like, it's just like in the crawl it explains that Palpatine sent out a broadcast. Oh, good lord! Right, he essentially has his own little podcast. He's got like listeners all across the universe or something like that. And that podcast or that broadcast aired during the Fortnite event before the film came out. <laughs> what did it say what did it say i gotta know oh, i have no idea what we gotta look it up man yelling at the screen where colin learns all the hip Fortnite trends the kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man okay so i had a uh i had a google meet i promise i i had a google meet today uh is the first time i've interacted with my students on google meet yeah, and a couple of them joined, and one of them tried to get me to play Fortnite with them. So like, <laughs> nice. I, I am not up. Fortnite trends are are not my deal. Been playing yeah. that Apex Legends, baby. Hey. Yeah, I converted to Apex too. But back Atta to Star boy. Wars. <laughs> so Caleb, how about you? Which one's worse, Solo or Rise of Skywalker? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah! I'm in the minority here. I think Solo's worse. <laughs> Dang, so Solo's pretty bad. I, yeah, I, I, I also, I agree that it's bad. I just like, I mean, I love Donald Glover. I love Woody yeah, Harrelson. Yeah, like there's, there's just some great actors in there. So, what's what's the main guy's what's the main guy's name? Uh, like the lead actor, like he plays. Yeah, Han. the 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 plays Han. Yeah, it's, he uh, was in a. He's the cowboy in Hail Caesar. I'm trying uh, to. I feel bad. Uh, he's a good job. He's fine. I just. It's a, he deserves a better movie. <laughs> it's like it's it's like Aronofsky, but not. Uh, God, it's, gonna it's not bug Ansel me. something, is it? Maybe. I don't know. He did a good job. He had a good line delivery on that part where he was like, "I speak a little." I loved it. I think that this is really funny. So I looked up solo, just solo on Letterboxd, and it doesn't pop up. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I think his name Fix. is Alden Enrake. Is how you say his name? Uh, I yeah, something like that. Man, there is so many. Can we talk for a second about yeah, the, of course, of course. the the fact that Lando Calrissian canonically had a sex robot? Oh, that was, like, my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> that was pretty great, yeah. Star Wars needs more of that. <laughs> did Disney realize what they did? Well, I think that's probably part of the reason they got, like, Miller and Lord off the, you know, direction. <laughs> yeah. Man, did... What, did somebody skip that part of the script? I mean, that's... I'm just saying, <laughs> it's not very Disney-friendly. It's not PG. No, no. The mouse is starting a new era. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't even like you could go either way. It was no. like pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, it was very explicit. <laughs> it was. <laughs> no, I. There was no question in my mind when I walked out of that movie if Lando had a sex spot. So. <laughs> well, I think um, Yats has decided Rise of Skywalker or Star Wars film of the decade. I'm Woo! sorry, I was ruined for Solo. Maybe next time. <laughs> All right, Jack, what is your next question? Yeah, what's the next 
Question two. This was a historical decade for the Academy Awards. They gave the first ever Best Director win to a Hispanic filmmaker, Mr. Alejandro Inuratu. <gasps> first one he won for was Birdman, 2014. And then he won Best Director again for The Revenant, which I believe was 2015. So my next question is, which is the better film? Oh, I haven't seen either of them, so I, Caleb, what? I'm, I'm out of this discussion. <laughs> did uh, Bong... Oh, gosh. Parasite Director, did he not get Best Director? No, he did, yeah. He's the first... Oh, He's okay, the first, okay, okay, uh, okay, Asian, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, you said... God, I'm a bad listener, guys. You said Hispanic. <laughs> Never mind. Re- what were the two movies? Let's just forget I said anything. Re- Revenant or what was the other one? Birdman or The Revenant. Which one's better? Oh, Colin? I haven't seen Birdman, but I imagine it's better than The Revenant. But The Revenant's got Tom Hardy. You gotta remember. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but Birdman's got Edward Norton. Ooh, that's true. And he's in his undies, right? It's a great scene. He and Michael Keaton have a very lame fight. Oh, man. I need Birdman's on my list. It was one of the ones that I was honestly surprised that it didn't make it into the 40 on our like on letterbox, but I guess it makes a little I guess it makes a little sense. I don't know. Well, it's part of the reason I brought up this question today. Yeah, but for real. We, we will tabletop this question for a future episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, this one I think you guys will be able to answer. Question three, best Pixar film of the decade. Oh, oh that's tough. Okay, hold on. So it's Coco, uh, Inside Out. Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4. Toy Story 3. Toy, Toy Story, Story 3. 3. Uh, Brave. Ooh. Onward. Wait, did Onward come out this year? Yeah, 2020. Oh, it came uh, out 2020. Doesn't count. Okay. okay. I think doesn't Cars count. 3 came out this 2000. Okay, I, I kind of doubt that. you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think any of us are going to give nobody Cars 3 or It Nobody counts any of the Cars films. Monsters University came out this past decade. I don't. Well, that's. It's not that great. I never saw uh, Monsters University. <laughs> you, you didn't miss. I mean, okay. Yeah, it you was, didn't miss out. <laughs> it was okay. Okay like is it, perfect. Yep, like, like the- it's not bad. I'm not gonna say, oh, it's terrible. Don't go out and watch Monsters University. But like, <laughs> it lacked a certain magic, and in my mm. mind, created many plot holes. <laughs> Interesting. Well, it's one of those like prequels where it's very much like. I love the first Monsters, Inc. so much that it's kind of like seeing Monsters University reminds me how much better and just how strong of a film Monsters, Inc. is. That's a good point. (laughs) Like, they didn't need to make Monsters University, but in some ways I'm glad they did because half the time I was watching the movie I thought, wow, Monsters, Inc. is one of the best, and this is a good reminder of (laughs) the quality (laughs) Pixar used to produce, which is kind of, I don't know. You could argue that was this decade for Pixar. Yeah. But but for me, I think the four films that kind of round out the top of the conversation for this question are Toy Story 3, Inside Out, Coco, and Toy Story 4. So, <clears throat> I haven't seen Toy Story 4. Ooh, you need to. It's good? You're telling me Toy Story 4 is good? Yeah, I liked it. It's yeah. good. What? I really enjoyed I, it. I had zero expectations for that movie. That's why I haven't seen it. Is because I just assumed like it was going to be a craptastic cash in. It's better than Arrival. Shut up, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. 
<laughs> no, it's not. Anyways, uh, we gotta answer the question. God, this Pixar so... film from this past that decade. just made me so mad. Jack, you just made me so mad. <laughs> I'm honored. It's a really tough question. Finding Dory was also this decade. Oh yeah, too. I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Uh, okay, here's my answer. Oh man, it's such a. So I'm gonna go with Coco. Final answer, and here's why. Inside Out, uh, for me, just. It was great. It was awesome. I cried when uh, Bing Bong died. Who's the grand that makes you laugh? Bing Bong, Bing Bong. And then he disappears. And so he spoiled Inside Out for everybody. Yes, I did. Uh, but if you haven't... Okay, Jax hasn't seen Coco. You've seen it, right, Caleb? So I, wa- I made the mistake of watching this movie at night alone and by myself, and I was Uh-oh. not <laughs> emotionally prepared uh, for what would happen. Uh, this movie is very, very touching. Very, uh, oh boy. It's so sad. And, and it's not even sad for like a sad reason. It's sad for like a, like a happy reason, but it's, oh, it, it got me at the end. I was ugly crying all over that couch, Caleb. (laughs) It was rough. Yeah, it's that good. It is definitely that good. Is that your pick, Caleb? Is Coco for best of Pixar of the decade? Jack, so are we including short films on this question or no? Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Then I really enjoyed the, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like Bow, the short yeah, film. Yeah, Bow. That's right. Bow. That was an amazing, like, I think, Jack, me and you saw that together. I think it was right before Incredibles 2. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was so so good. Like I like that one too. I remember enjoying amazing. that one a lot. But if I had to pick a feature length film, dang. Yeah, I'd probably pick Coco too. Like all around, the best Pixar film of the of the of the decade. Yeah, I I would personally I would pick Toy Story three. But you know, here's the deal about Coco. I haven't seen it. But it's got the beautiful actor, Gael Garcia Bernal, as a voice in it. I think he actually sings a song in it. He plays uh, Hector, is what Letterboxd is telling me. Oh, boy. Which one's Hector, Caleb? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, He's the... I don't I don't want to spoil he... it. <laughs> wait, wait, Jack hasn't seen Coco? Yeah, Jack hasn't seen it. Wait, you haven't seen Coco? Yeah, man, what the... What the heck? What the... What the? Can't at least be roommates. I told you this multiple times. What? Hector's <laughs> like one of the main guys, right? Like he's the he's 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 billed second name on the cast. Yeah, so, sure so he's, he's probably anyways. the hair the not the little boy, but the little boy's friend he meets up with later. Yeah, I think whoever, that, whoever Hector I think that's is. right. <laughs> but anyways, here at Yelling Screen, we we give big shout outs to Mr. Guido Garcia Bernal, or however you say his avid name. Avid listener. Yeah, we know he's an avid podcast. listener. <laughs> Gorgeous man, too. Anyways, that's all I got for the Pixar question. Question four. This is a big one. I think it's going to be very important, near and dear to our hearts. It's also about acting. There's one actor who we love very much. A lot for his performances, but mainly for how beautiful he is. That is Mr. Hugh Jackman. What was the better Hugh Jackman movie? Logan or Prisoners? Oh! Wait, what's Prisoners? Oh my god, okay, okay. Oh, I think I... we know Caleb's <laughs> Okay, so... Oh my gosh. Um, This is one of those questions 
uh, man, I haven't seen Prisoners in so long. Uh, so there's definitely going to be a recency bias a little bit. Man, that's a tough question. God, this is such a good question. I'm going to go with Logan, and I think it's be- I think it's the recency bias coming in, but he was given a lot more to do, I feel like, in Logan, because in Prisoners it was more the acting, like the character actor thing came from the bad guy, the guy with the glasses. What's his name? Uh, uh, Paul Dono. Yeah, that guy. He did the heavy lifting in terms of, like, acting not like a person, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it, yeah. Because, like, Hugh, Hugh's just playing a dude who lost his kid in Prisoners, but, like, in Logan, he's playing Wolverine. I don't know. But, like, an old, grumpy Wolverine. Older and grumpier. Yeah. Nice. They sound nice. like they're two different roles for him. Oh, yeah. Well, anyways, I know we're all huge Hugh Jackman fans, so I just wanted to bring that up in case we had a strong opinion on the matter. We're all Wait, huge is, um... Jackman fans. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Isn't Les Mez, like, in this decade? What do it we is. Think of Mez? Maybe we'll talk about it later. Who knows? Ooh. Spoiler <laughs> alerts. All right, I got one more question for you guys, and we'll get into the meat. All right, what hit us? Final question. I got ten films here. They're all the best picture winners from this decade. Which one was the best? Starting off with order of they came out, King's Speech, The Artist, Argo, Eh. 12 Years a Slave, Uh. Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, Shape of Water, Green Book, and finally, Parasite. What was your favorite? Well, of those I think we all know uh, Shape of Water um, is the best. <laughs> what we think of that one. Yeah, we you all know that Shape of Water wins, right? Yeah. It's the best. It was on we, our 40 since, list. Since, since our top 40 ranking episode, we have watched The Shape of Water. We have We take come back around. everything that we yeah. said. <laughs> Sorry, Inception. Shape of Water for number one. <laughs> yeah, Shape of Water, number one it movie. Is better it's, than it's Inception. Incredible. <laughs> better than Uncut Gems. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Colin's lost it, though. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, that's a good one. No, Grinding Nemo sucks. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to start with my answer. All right, go okay. for it. I, I think Parasite's my favorite of the ten. But I also think Moonlight and 12 Years a Slave are pretty great movies, too, in their own way. So, uh, I haven't seen a lot of these, but like I've seen Parasite, and I, I, I really want to see Spotlight and Birdman, and I feel like one of those two would be the movie I would pick for the best. Got, got to give those Michael Keaton shout-outs, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, based solely on, not o- I mean, who's in them, but not only who's in them, but, like, uh, what other people have said about them. Like, everyone knows I've lauded CinemaSins for the longest time. Uh, pretty much they've never made a recommendation that I didn't agree with, and they both highly, or they all highly recommend Spotlight as like one of their best movies ever so uh so if you hate colin's taste you can blame it on cinema <laughs> yeah blame cinema sins uh but before you do that uh download star wars galaxy of heroes <laughs> i like spotlight i think spotlight's pretty you know it's one of those films like the group of people i saw it with we were all like 
jaws on the floor shocked by it. We were like, wow, this was so good. And I'd argue that in the years following, none of us are quite like as hype on it as we used to be. But but I do think there is something to be said about like a film's initial impact on you. So I like Spotlight. Definitely think it's one of the better Best Picture winners I've listed off. I'm not in love with it, but there are some strong performances, especially from like Keaton and Ruffalo and McAdams. And, uh, oh, the actor who plays Sabretooth, it's like Lee Schreiber or something. Yeah, Lee Schreiber. Lee Schreiber. He, he just, he has one of those performances where it's like, he is talking about the most sour, dire stuff with the most little emotion possible. It's like the director told him like, okay, do that scene again, but give me less. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> So I recommend Spotlight. I like Spotlight. Okay. Well, my vote is for Spotlight. (laughs) That being said, Spotlight is depressing (laughs) as fuck. Like, that is a sad movie. Like, you won't feel good when it's over. (laughs) Oh, I know. I I know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed because I haven't seen a lot of these. Which is funny because I think I've seen... I've seen The King's Speech, which is 2010, right, Jack? Yep, that's correct. And God, I, I know, hate that movie. I, I, I My social network twice. was robbed. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I've seen Parasite, which was last year. And I don't think I've seen many in between that you listed off. Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly going to have to go for The King's Speech since I haven't seen all the others. Um, I really like that. Like I saw it when it came out, and I haven't rewatched it since. But it's still like in in my mind, like it's like still like very very good. Are, are you picking King's Speech over Parasite? Yeah, I am. Bruh, what? Why? We just Maybe. we love Colin Firth on this podcast. <laughs> That's all yeah, it is. I'm avid listener of the podcast, Colin Firth, <laughs> um, the King's but, Man uh, himself. <laughs> I mean, on my personal top 40 rankings, like, Parasite wasn't, like, in my top 10. I don't even think it was in my top 15. Like wow. If, if the King's Speech was on that list, I probably would have put it a little bit higher than Parasite. Not much, but a little higher. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, well. I'm glad we, I mean, I'm glad we got Parasite to our top 20, because my wife would have killed me if we had it. <laughs> <laughs> I have, maybe I need to rewatch the King's Speech. I have negative memories of that movie. It just really? being, Yeah. Of it just being like Negative boring. I, I I seen it once and I just recall thinking, "Wow, I could be watching a better movie right now." But I tried to be fancy and watch the King's I Speech. Mean, I was how old was I? I was thirteen when I watched this movie in theaters, and it, like it's still as impactful to me. So wow! Like, All right, if that tells you anything. I mean, I'm with I'm with Colin too. I probably need to rewatch it because when I saw it, I remember being really bitter that I was like, "This beats Social Network." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Colin. Thank you. That's a classic well, Jack Hansen noise. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I wanted to do these questions was just to kind of go over some more, you know, 2010s decade in review. There's a lot more we could talk about, and I'm sure we're going to get into as we talk about our honorable mentions. We already brought this film up briefly. Colin, why don't you tell us a little bit about Les Mis, your first honorable mention. <laughs> Speaking of huge Jackman. <laughs> uh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I like where uh-oh. this is going. <laughs> and now we've arrived at the X-rated portion of yelling yeah. at the screen. Yeah, it's after dark. Yeah, baby. Anyway, 
Uh, okay, I actually have <clears throat> kind of a review uh, that I haven't posted on Litterbox yet, but I wouldn't qualify this movie as easily accessible to a great deal of viewers. And the reason for that is because it requires you to like period pieces. It requires you to like uh, very like a lot musicals. of a lot of melodrama. Yeah, musicals is the big one. Ooh. I see Colin's got cat problems, so I wanted to help him I, out. There. Yes, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> is that Olive or uh, Mavis? That, that one was Mavis. She was trying to get up in my lap, but she fell. She said, "I want to record with Dad." <laughs> she does. Um, but. It, it basically just requires you to like a bunch of things as pre-qualifiers to even have a chance of liking this movie. All that being said, it's it's not a hard ask for me, who I love musicals. I'll go see pretty much any musical that exists. But, like, for a normal person, I could see why this would be an annoying, slow-moving movie. But, all that being said... I think that they did a very good job adapting a pop, not pop music, but like popular musical, like an onstage musical into a screen format. Oh, and Les Mis is big. That's a big, big show. Oh, oh yeah. It, it's, I mean, yeah. I don't know what the numbers are. I think Hamilton is probably number one grossing of all time. But like Les Mis is, yeah, it's big. It's a big boy musical. <laughs> Like, and they did an okay job. Casting, I thought, was really good. I'm a Russell Crowe uh, <laughs> That was going to be my question. I was going to ask yeah. if you were on board with the Russell Crowe. Look, man, go look up Russell Crowe's folk band, and I guarantee you, you'll be like, oh, he doesn't suck at singing. They just picked the wrong guy. He can't hit those high notes of Javert. I uh, agree. It's almost like... Russell Crowe is a very good folk rock type singer. Like, mm-hmm. he's perfect for that background. And I think they were trying to experiment with something in the movie that doesn't quite work. And that's why people probably reacted. Because I honestly, I remember hating the movie the first time I saw it. Interesting. I definitely loved it the first time I saw it. I thought it was yeah. beautiful. E- even through Russell Crowe's uh, rough singing, yeah. I also loved it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would argue that this movie in a weird way, kind of propelled me into the musicals scene in a bit, in like big time. Like after I saw this movie, it was like right around that time where I saw Harry, like a Harry Potter musical and a Harry Potter sequel. This movie pushed me off the ledge into the murky and scary waters that are musicals on stage. So, <laughs> Les Mis is one of those movies I actually saw multiple times in theaters. Same. Nice. Same. Same. And I remember the second time I saw Les Mis, I was like shocked and terrified because the gentleman next to me was singing along to the movie and crying <laughs> while singing. That's amazing. And now I have a podcast with him. <laughs> oh, it's called Wow. <laughs> called out. Wow. <laughs> You're a real <laughs> bastard. You know that? Just, I try, buddy. You, just, Colin, try. you did call yourself out for, ah, you're for right. you, singing Jack, along and crying to Coco. Jack, I don't know if you sang along, but no, I, I, I Well, I didn't know the words. Uh, I do oh. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jack. You're not a bastard. It's okay. 
Next time we'll cut Arrival earlier. It'll oh <laughs> my god! I will. Caleb, what is his deal with Arrival, man? I don't know. What, what, <laughs> I have what no is, clue. What is Jack's deal? That movie was great. That movie was amazing. Yeah, it definitely sits up high on my list. Yeah, man. The, the decade. Jack. Well, what is wrong? Speaking man? of Caleb's list. Actually, before we move on to Caleb, Colin, do you have anything else you want to say about Les Mis? It's really great. Uh, it's not as good as the musical, which y'all should all that makes sense. go see. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. Oh. Caleb, why don't you give us an honorable mention? Okay. Of the ones that I haven't talked about yet that are on that are on my list, I think I want to talk about The Secret Life of, of Walter Mitty right now. Ooh. So I um, never have got y'all around seen to seeing that one. I I haven't. I never got around. You to haven't it. seen? Oh dang! But you, it's Jack. so good, Colin. Yeah, I've seen it. It's got that great um, Jose Gonzalez song "Stay Alive" in it. Yeah. It's a great song. The soundtrack song. is. I jammed that so much in high school. Like it was. It was amazing. But it's directed by Ben Stiller. Also, he's also the lead actor. Um, Jack, I'm really curious um, what you think about Ben Stiller as a director. Specifically for this movie. Yeah, I um, wasn't really hung up on Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Just, I don't know, just one of those movies I'm kind of... Like what Colin was saying about the the King's Speech earlier, I kind of feel that same way about Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It's just one of those movies that... So so the story of that movie is it's a really famous short story that Hollywood had been trying to make into a feature-length movie since the 90s. I think Jim Carrey was the original Walter Mitty at one point. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and... I don't know, it's just, it is not a bad film, but in some ways it hits that ultimate offense of it it being a film that doesn't really, it's kind of like hereditary. There's things Mm -hmm. about it that are technically nice, pleasing to look at, well done, but they don't really inspire me to like ask deeper Mm. questions about film or the world around me, and I really think that's kind of one of the themes Secret Life of Walter Mays. So, honestly... I was just going to say that, not a fan, nothing like offensive about it. Ben Stiller as a director, I think he's fine. He directed both Zoolander and Tropic Thunder, which I think are two of like the strongest American studio comedies of the century. Nice. So uh, I like Ben Stiller a lot as a director. Don't like Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Okay, cool. Well, I actually read the short stories after I watched the film for the first time because I actually got to rewatch it for a class in undergrad. And we read the short stories along with it. I think I, I, I kind of see what you're saying that you don't like leave the film asking some of the questions that are thinking about some of the things that the short story has you thinking about necessarily. But that, that being said, I still really appreciated the film. Like I love the style. I thought like it was like some, some of the shots where I thought were super unique and super um, like that secret life of Walter Mitty, like it stands by itself in my mind, it doesn't necessarily have a comparison or one that I found that, that lives up to that, that that style. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a fun story. Well, good stuff, Caleb. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Your first honorable mention. Colin, give us honorable mention number two, my friend. Well, what about you? We skipped you. What about me? My opinion doesn't matter. Yes, it- I don't like a rival. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you are right. Your opinion doesn't matter because you don't like Arrival. But we're graciously offering you a chance to talk about an honorable mention. See, I didn't prepare notes for my honorable mention, so I'm kind of That's looking okay. at them like, what do I talk about? Oh, I see. I don't I don't really have any notes written down either, Jack, so this is just mostly off the top of my head, things I've been thinking about for a long time. You know, I'll, I'll do this real quick. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to give Scorsese a shout-out because I think nice. he had a really he had a really good decade because I put Irishman 2019 on my honorable mentions list, and I also think Silence 2016 with mm. Liam Neeson and Andrew Garfield – deserves praise i think those are both really 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 strong films yeah silence is also on my list jack so thanks for bringing it up yeah caleb talk about silence real quick what were some things you liked about that film dang well shout out to to andrew garfield yeah adam driver avid listeners we know they're adam Adam, never mind that's a Tried to make a never tried it. to make a pun. I Look, the pieces are there. The, okay? the pieces are there. The pieces are there. <laughs> the listener will just have to put it together. Yeah, we gotta pick them themselves. up. <laughs> okay, I'll say this real quick. One thing I really love about Silence is it really addresses kind of a, the emotional pool of being a martyr. Yeah, because there's that really point does. where Andrew Garfield has been in Japan for like six eight months, and he hasn't really had a proper bath or shave. And he sees himself in the water for the first time, and he thinks, oh, I look just like that picture of Jesus I love. And it's that (laughs) moment of, like, I'm doing a good thing for Japan. I'm doing this for the Lord. Yeah. And then so much of the movie is about kind of the cultural conversation between East and West, where, like, Liam Neeson Mm -hmm. is explaining the differences in language and why Japan will never get, like, Western religion the way the missionaries want them to. It's really, really well done, and it's really deep and intense, and it's... You know, it's a, what is it, a two and a half hour long film? Yeah. <laughs> Between that, Wolf of Wall Street and Irishman, Scorsese said, no need to cut this down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I love that about Scorsese. And I just like, remember I think that it's like, very bold. Liam Neeson's also in this too, like mm-hmm. in Silence. Yeah. And he does a great job. And he doesn't have like a, like, I mean, he's part of the motivation that, that actually drives them to go um, into Japan, right? Like that's part of the story is, is or part of the plot and premise is that something's happened to his character and they need to go and kind of both fill his role that, that he's left empty there because he's missing or he's something's happened mysteriously to him. And they're also looking for him. Right. That's kind of when I look back, that's, that's what I remember. Yes, exactly. That That's very much kind of the synopsis of the film. Yeah. What Colin, do you know much about silence? I do not at all. What is apostasy? It says, It says, in the 17th century, two Portuguese Jesuit priests travel to Japan in an attempt to locate their mentor, who is rumored to have committed apostasy and to So it's kind of like a, so apostasy, if I remember correctly, is kind of like a, so you know, so the class, this is kind of a crazy example, but you know how like Socrates was like essentially executed he was forced to drink hemlock because he was speaking against the gods, speaking against the um, he. I'm trying to remember how how they put it, but it was like uh, you're denying what what we believe and stand for. Um, yeah, yeah. And apostasy is essentially that, but with respect to like Christianity. Yeah. The uh, 
dictionary.com definition is uh, the abandonment or renunciation. Colin looking real Re- close to that Re- computer screen. Oh, renunciation. Wow. I'm a, I teach America, everybody. I'm a teacher and I could not. Uh-oh. Anyway, the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a perfect definition. And then I, I think a good example is Socrates and in in why he went on trial and how he got killed. I think that's a good example for us, too, to consider. Wow. So this is kind of random, but I, I kind of want to move to the Irishman. But before I do yeah. that, <laughs> I want to say this is about silence. So a lot of the cast, most of the cast is Japanese in this movie because it's about Japan. Mm-hmm. And one actor is actually a very famous Japanese director named Shinya Tsukamato, I think is how you say his name. <laughs> He's very famous for this 1989 film called Tetsuo the Iron Man, which I know you two listened to Show Me the Meaning, so you yeah. might have seen show heard their episode. The or shout out to Show Me the Meaning. But anyways, Tetsuo the Iron Man's like a very famous sci-fi body horror J- Japanese film from the 80s. <laughs> and... Uh, yes. It's funny because that director plays one of like the warlords or lord characters in Silence, and apparently mm-hmm. on set, Martin Scorsese was all like, "Hey, like I adore your films. I'm so happy you're here." And Shinya was all like, "Oh, uh, thank you, Scorsese son. Like, <laughs> I appreciate the praise." <laughs> nice. Also, there's that great Drake meme where they replace the hotline bling drink with Scorsese's face, and it shows. <laughs> it shows the 2008 Iron Man movie, and he's doing the nah, and then it shows Tets. It shows Scorsese. It's like Tetsuo the Iron Man, and he's doing the Drake like, mm, that's what I'm talking about. Nice. Nice. That's cool. So, yeah, I love both Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, and, of course, Irishman. Part of me doesn't want to talk about Irishman too much because that could be good coverage for a future episode if yeah, Colin ever watches it. Yeah. But maybe not. We'll see. Irishman's great. Great cast. I think De Niro's doing wonderful stuff in that movie. Al Pacino's phenomenal. Joe Pesci. Ooh. Joe yeah. Pesci is so good Dang. in The Irishman. Just real quiet, nice, like, I don't know if I want to say it's a humble performance, but it's one of those performances where it's very, anti- anti- it's the opposite of what he's doing in Goodfellas. I don't know if you've seen Goodfellas, yeah. but um, I haven't. He's very, like, wild and over the top in Goodfellas, kind of like a madman, like a little unhinged. Nice. And yeah. it, it's just good kind of reversal role going on, what he's doing in The Irishman. And I think what I love most about The Irishman is it's very much this film that it's this four-hour buildup, well, maybe like three, three-and-a-half-hour buildup yeah. to something that you're like, oh, this can't end well. This can't end well. This is not going to end well. And then it doesn't end well, and it just feels so tragic and beautiful how Scorsese plays it out with the script and the direction. Very strong movie. A lot of people probably haven't seen it yet, but it's on Netflix. Go check it out. Yeah, I think it's definitely an underappreciated movie from 2019. I just I, e- easily I, my favorite film from 2019. Easily. Wow. What's up, Colin? It's just is so long. <laughs> I <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's a like you're committing like a day to what I mean, obviously not a day, but like <laughs> I feel like your day has to revolve around watching The Irishman. Does that make sense? Are y'all following my? I mean. I watched it during winter break when I was, like, with my family, like, over, like, Christmas. And we watched, like, 
Zach Galifianakis's between two ferns and then we watched the irishman so like it was <laughs> like, like the double feature <laughs> yeah so it wasn't like a you know our whole day was revolved around this film but we did stop twice to refill on popcorn <laughs> yeah irishman's definitely one you got to take a few potty breaks yeah, yeah. anyways my, my scorsese rave is over you know the nice thing about scorsese is as we look into doing like a round robin for the 2000s and 90s and 80s and you know we really enjoy doing that round table discussion yeah. so there will be more scorsese talk in the future Absolutely. don't you worry colin you're up next give us another i am uh, personal favorite that didn't quite make your top Man, 7 i'm i'm trying to uh i'm trying to decide between a couple you know i've got how about you do like a quick fast pace? Because I'm kind of thinking about doing this too. Okay. Where you say a title and then like 30 seconds each. Because I'm kind of thinking about doing that with some of my honorable mentions too. All right, fair enough. So, well, this one I do want to talk about a little. I'm going to do it. I'm going for it, y'all. Did y'all Just see uh, Kubo and the Two Strings? I did. By uh, Lakia, or however you say is. their name. Uh, Yes. I don't know how you say their name, but... It's it's a uh, Russian dog. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah. Uh, it was another one of those movies that came out of nowhere for some reason. Oh, I remember why I have this memory. It's probably because I did this. Uh, so I watched it... Um, no, I didn't. I watched it when I lived with Caleb. Anyway, it doesn't matter how I watch this. Uh, essentially, it's so, so simple. This guy is looking for his, like, dead father... And uh, it's beautifully animated. The story is really, really simple and sweet. The music, oh my goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. The music yeah, is yeah. so, so good. It, re- it reminds me, it reminded me of, honestly, it kind of reminds me of Coco now that I kind of think about it. They're both kind of musically inclined. Like he has to go, what is it he has to get? He has to get like... It's almost, I, I remember seeing, like, I remember seeing a really good tweet when the movie came out that was like, oh, Cubo's kind of the closest thing I've seen to a Legend of Zelda movie. And I feel like that's kind of true in his, you know, looking for magical items and on his quest to defeat the big baddie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a magical sword. It, it's, and I've been playing a lot of Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and now I'm just picturing, pi- nice. picturing them doing, like, a Cubo mod of the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, that would be so good. The Great Ape. Is exactly, the monkey yeah, exactly. from the movie? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it'd be so good. <laughs> it'd be horrific. Yeah, I agree once with he Colin. Decapitates him. <laughs> I, I agree with Colin. Cubo has very gorgeous animation, stop motion wise. I think the only film that looks as good, if not better, is probably like Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. So, what's the premise of this one? Colin? So I'll just so essentially Kubo has to locate a magical MacGuffin suit of armor type of thing uh, that it, his dead dad uh, used to wear, and he has to defeat like this big bad, like Jack was talking about, like an evil spirit. I think he has to defeat his grandfather or something. I don't know. It's been forever. I since know. I, I haven't seen this in like a year or two, but I I distinctly remember. Uh, the animation style of this movie. Uh, it's one of those things that I can sit here and talk about it all day, but, like, you need to go see it. Like, see it mm. to believe it type of thing. 
Yeah, it's definitely, like, anyone who loves... We haven't talked a whole lot about animated films these episodes. We talked about Spider-Verse of it and Anomalisa, but I think Kubo definitely deserves a shout-out when it comes to, you know, films that are for the animation lovers out there. Because Kubo's definitely not one, I think... As time's gone on, I think I've seen a lot more soured opinions on it. Like, people are like, oh, it's fine, it's whatever... But I remember when I was watching it in the big screen, like, my eyes were, like, popping out of my head. I was like, this is gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I shouldn't... I really need to watch this. And it... it, it it's, it's trailer... Good. I remember its trailer had that really good, like, kind of sitar cover of the Beatles while my guitar gently weeps. Oh, it was good. It was cool. Yeah, on the topic of animated movies, I kind of want to bring up one. Yeah, okay. go your go turn, Caleb. Go for it. Um, so one that I watched... At the end of last year, I think in November, I think Colin actually walked in on me. I remember he was eating a pizza or, or something from Blaze. <laughs> while I was, and he was like, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> are you, or are you talking about French I Lost My Body? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so, it's, so it's in French. It's a French animated film. And it's about this, like, severed hand that makes its way back to its to its body, to, to its owner. Um and it's an incredibly animated movie. The score is like probably one of the best scores of last year. And it's like the story is just, it's so sad, but it's so beautiful to watch um, this journey that this hand goes on and to see kind of, cause you get the, the hand is kind of like the present moment and the hand is like having flashbacks to some extent of what happened to his, to 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 the rest of the body it's super fascinating it's good storytelling um so highly highly recommend it yeah yeah that's one that's been on my watch list i, I remember caleb you telling me that the score is phenomenal too it's like, oh, that, like an electronic score. like it's it's been on my heavy rotation on spotify like since i watched that film <laughs> nice nice <laughs> yeah. that's also on netflix right yeah it's all, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a netflix film i can i can vouch for the final third of this movie <laughs> Which is an intense third watch. Yeah, solid. Yeah, <laughs> completely void of context. I can. It's yeah. a good. It's a good watch. I'm gonna give one honorable mention. Uh, going to call and talking about Kubo and kind of a film that's very like Eastern Japanese influence. This is um, I think he's from. Yeah, he is. So this is a 2013 film by Sion Sono. It's called Why Don't You Play in Hell, and it's very much. For the Tarantino heads out there, this is a movie that loves movies and it loves over-the-top gore and violence. It's a uh, it's about these like really low-budget, over-the-top filmmakers. Like they're very young kids, younger than us, and they want to make the best movie ever made. And they come across the Yakuza, and this young actress who used to be a really big child actress, and there's a big Yakuza war going over her. And they think, you know, we can help respark this actress's career and end a Yakuza war and make the best film of all time. And it just gets batshit crazy. Very bizarre movie, very over the top. I remember, Colin, you said something about when you have a lowbrow film at the top of your list. And I certainly wouldn't call this film lowbrow, but this is kind of one of those high energy, not super like deep philosophy type films. It's just. It's about filmmakers wanting to see violent stuff happening and meeting up with violent people and things get wild. It's very well shot, very well edited, lots of good like production techniques and the sets and how they kind of frame the combat and the filmmakers in the middle of it all. 
it's a good film for people who like movies that are overly referential, which I am kind of part of. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What was the name of the movie? I didn't hear that. Oh, you're good. The movie's called Why Don't You Play in Hell. Oh, Why Don't You Play in Hell. Okay. Yeah. Anyone out there wanting more Japanese foreign films, something a little bit more wilder, a little bit more out there, I'll give that one a shout-out real quick. Since Colin brought it. We are talking about Japan of Silence, and Colin talked about mm-hmm. Kubo. Nice. I, yeah. I, I think this is kind of the part where I might start running through some of my honorable mentions and just kind of giving them quick shout-outs. Do you guys want to, like, not give a eulogy, but do you guys want to give your, like, soapbox standing ovation moment for any other quick films before we start kind of wrapping things up uh like colin you said you wrote notes about some of these films are there anyone to share before i finish up my honorable mentions yeah i'll uh i'll talk about there's there's two more that i want to talk about do and we already talked about john wick right didn't we i don't think we have oh then they're did we? I, I can't remember. <laughs> I haven't finished editing think, the last recording. I think we, we mentioned. We have had a conversation. I just don't know if it was recorded or not. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll run down. I have two and a half. <laughs> a nonstop thrill ride? Yeah. Is that what? <laughs> yeah, 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 what yeah. yeah. Yeah, the nonstop. That's what, well, I, that's what I, because I wrote a, I wrote a whole last review. review on yeah. it. Yeah. So let's do this. While Colin's getting his notes ready to talk about more films, Caleb, do you want to give any final shout-outs? Yeah. I'll just kind of do like a rapid-fire, like, quick shout-out. So I talked about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which was directed by and by, by Ben Stiller, who's also the lead actor. And he um, was actually in a film that came out in 2016, I believe. I watched it recently, like, within the month. It's called While, While We're Young, directed by Noah Baumbach. Yeah, with Adam Driver, yeah, yeah. And also with Adam Driver. An amazing cast. They do it really great in that film. Can't recommend it enough. It's on Netflix. Check it out. But also by Noah Baumbach is Marriage Story. We kind of talked a lot about that in our past episodes. Um, I think very highly of it. Adam Driver, amazing still. I think he's, you know. I, I'd argue. Of, I'd, I'd go ahead and argue that Driver had a great decade. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, like I'm at the beginning of this to, decade, people only really knew him from Girls, yeah. and now he's a big big deal <laughs> yeah the only other film i'll mention and i'm glad i'm mentioning this one last because it kind of puts a nice little bow on like my thoughts on the 2010s is my number one film of the 2010s is a social network and an honorable mention of mine that came from last year is the art of self-defense which i think i mentioned a little bit in the last episode um, yeah, with Jesse starring, Eisenberg, yeah, right? Yeah, starring Jesse Eisenberg. Oh my god! Comedy. I totally forgot that this movie existed. It's amazing. Okay, I need to see. Have you seen it, Colin? No, I haven't. But like, I oh gosh. I remember I highly recommend. I remember seeing the trailer for that movie and then being like, I have to see this. Like, I have to. No, yeah, Colin. Like, I would almost. Like, I would be okay if you saw The Art of Self-Defense before Uncut Gems. Like, oh, the, wow. like, I think that would, like, that would be fine by me. Like, Wow. Incredible. Just powerful stuff coming from Caleb. I need to see both of them now. Golly. What else you got, Caleb? I think that's it. I want to finish there. Kind of leave that, that bow on that, on the, on the, on the 2010s. <laughs> Colin, do you want to talk about John Wick real quick, or can I do my rapid fire? I'll 
do you so there's actually a different movie i was going to talk about um oh go for it go for it you're good you're good and this is one of those movies that i'm going to talk about i'm probably going to talk more about it than it deserves but it it, (laughs) uh have y'all ever seen the movie bernie it's got jack black in it oh that's a great movie people should talk about that movie dude okay richard linklater baby yeah so okay Basically, Bernie Teedy was a real guy who was a morti- not a mortician, a uh, funeral home director. I think uh, he, I think that is a mortician. Is a mortician. Oh, he is a mortician. Okay, I think yeah. in the I, it's been forever since I've seen the movie, but I think he is a mortician. I, I know he prepares bodies for funerals. Yeah, that's so, mortician. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, beside the point, uh, and he in real life, uh, killed like killed a lady who he befriended. Uh, who was a real grouchy minx? Uh, who everyone else everyone kind of hated yeah, her. Everyone yeah. hated her, but he and her got along really well. And people didn't know for sure, but they were pretty certain. Like maybe sex was going on, but also they also thought he was gay. So it was like a weird. It's a whole thing. So apparently, and this it it speaks to me a little bit more because like East Texas, those are my people. Those are. That's, that's my roots. Like, that's where I... We're, we're... Yeah. If you're new to the show, we're Texas boys right here. <laughs> yeah, like... So, my one of my... Uh, okay. So, I guess she's not my aunt, but she's, like, rela- the sister of my aunt by marriage. Does that make sense? Anyway, it doesn't... Your, your, your dad... Your, one of your parents' brother got married to someone, and they have a sister. Yes, and she actually... <laughs> exactly. Thank you. And she actually knew, not knew, like, was buddy-buddy friends with him, but, like, was familiar with Bernie Teedy. And according to her, and this is a quote from her, uh, it was only a little bit exaggerated, like, the way that Jack Black portrayed him. So, apparently he did... Jack Black's so good. Yeah, apparently he did a pretty good job. So, anyway, the movie's called Bernie... Essentially, it just kind of chronicles this guy's life, and it leads up to the murder. Uh, it's funny, it's quirky, it's weird. I love it. Oh, here's something really interesting about the movie. The interviews that they have in the movie apparently are all real. Like, they're East Texas mm-hmm, real true. people. Yeah, that's true. They're not, yeah, they're not actors or that anything. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, and it's all just people who knew him, and they edited it. it, it when it cuts to those, it kind of goes into like a documentary-ish yeah, type of form. Yeah, documentary style. Yeah, but there, it's used really well. I don't know. It it it's like a weird documentary movie combination hybrid thing, and I think they call it docudrama. I could be wrong, doc, but I think some refer do, to yeah. Well, no, what are you talking about, Jack? We invented that word, docudrama. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> folks. Bernie is a yeah, Bernie is a docudrama. Thank you. That is what we said. Uh, am I going to rapid fire a few more? Am I going to what 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 are we doing? No, here? I want to say something about Bernie. Uh, real go quick, for it. Yeah, it's been it's been forever since I've seen it, but that has the great part where the guy says like, you know, Texas people say Texas is one state. Oh yes, and yes. One, and he like, there's a T-shirt a really you can buy. Like like guys, like anyone listening to this, like. We're all three of us are from Texas. That is so true. Yeah, like, that's definitely how yeah. Texas. He's like, is. he's like, you got your, you got your North Texas, and then like he gets to Austin. He's like, and then Austin doesn't know what the hell they're doing or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, but like that scene. Oh my god! And that's just a guy that wasn't written for him. That's just like what he said in the interview. 
It's incredible. Mm. Now, I'm I'm really glad, kind of wrapping you up, Colin, I, I'm really glad you're giving that films a shout-out because I, I think Richard Linklater had a really good decade between, like, you know, a lot of critical praise for uh, Before Midnight and Everybody Wants Some, the latter of which I've seen and is really, really good. I, I think Linklater is awesome. Definitely one of the best Texas contemporary filmmakers. I know all of y'all love School of Rock, so don't sleep on his other stuff. <laughs> and yeah. speaking of School of Rock, Jack Black, I'm honored he shares my name. He's awesome. Amen. Gotta love Jack Black. <laughs> for sure. Can we can we talk Zero Dark Thirty for a second? Like, just yeah, for like yeah, 30 let's, let's seconds. Yeah. I feel no, like no, this no, is a movie it. that was... He's gonna talk about it for Zero Dark 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, for Zero... Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> scenes calling on Skype, you are in the dark. Is it that dark? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's dark outside, man. I, I guess I could turn a light on in theory, but... Yeah, it's, it's after now. dark. Let's go. Yeah, man, Zero Dark Thirty. I cannot. I, one of those movies that I I can't believe it wasn't in the top forty on Letterboxd. Because wasn't wasn't this up for an Oscar? Didn't this come very close to winning Best Picture? Yeah, it was. So that's one of those interest. One thing I think is interesting about the Letterboxd top forty for two thousand tens is looking back on it, there is kind of a bias towards more recent films. So Letterboxd mm. was founded in, like, 2013, 2014. Okay. Oh, I see. Which means that a lot of the films that came out before then, people probably don't log as much or talk about as much because, you know, I, I feel like Zero Dark Thirty, along with The King's Speech, is one of those films that a lot of people saw once and... Just never got around to, like, seeing it again or talking about it. And I think that will make, like, our 2000s list and our 90s list more exciting because okay. those are more films being talked about today that came out 15, 20-plus yeah. years yeah. ago, you know? I guess that I makes like that. sense. Man, but Zero Dark Thirty, I'll just briefly... It, it's such... It's, it's a thrill... Like, it's a thrill ride from beginning to end about a subject matter that could potentially be really boring uh and they make it super interesting and like the the catharsis at the very end of the movie oh it's it's amazing and you have to like watch her try to piece together her life again after she spent like eight years trying to hunt down osama it's it's great that's one of those movies that i again couldn't believe it wasn't in the top 40 but anyway it's also one of the first movies that i remember like people talking about, oh, Chris Pratt getting really buff for. <laughs> yeah, right. That was kind of before, like, Guardians and the Jurassic World movies. Yep. How about Easy A? Anybody here love some Easy A? I love We Easy. support Emma Stone on this yeah. podcast. We, we like absolutely. Emma Stone. We, we all know she's an avid La listener. La La Land. <laughs> I might not have been rooting for La La Land in our round robin, but I like Emma Stone. I just want to shout out the one scene in Easy A where... Uh, they have the adopted black son and uh they're <laughs> yes, talking about talking puberty about and it's like oh don't worry we're all late bloomers it'll happen to you too and he's like but i'm adopted and then stanley tucci <laughs> so good might you're talking about might be me. the best actor alive today just like slams his hands on the <laughs> table and it's like what who told you? What is this? So good. Did you do a thing? Thank you, baby. My lovely wife just brought me a burger <laughs> and a milkshake. I see that sonic straw. Nice. Oh, that's so exciting. That's I'm beautiful. Just, I'm, I'm pumped. 
Anyway. Here, I'll let Colin sip on his drink a little bit. I'm going to give some rapid-fire shout-outs real quick. Let's hear it, Jack. As we approach the hour mark. Uh, first off, another 2013 film. I'm going to shout-out Shane Kruth's Upstream Color. A lot of people know Shane Kruth for his time travel movie, Primer, which came out in 2004. And Upstream Color is another very complex science fiction film. Last time I talked a lot about my love for Terrence Malick and his kind of almost experimental kind of stream of conscious dreamlike style of filmmaking. And I think Carruth emulates that a lot with Upstream Color. The basic plot of the movie is two people may or may not have been hypnotized by thieves who use like these crazy parasite worms that involve pigs to get rid of the worms. And then the two people kind of have to recover from this traumatic event and fall in love, but there's connections because of the pigs, and it's a very complex movie, and it's it's the type of movie that doesn't spell it out for you. There's a great review, I don't remember if it was Letterboxd or YouTube, mm. where it basically said, if you enjoy movies that just want to let you figure it out, Primer and Upstream Color are your best bet. And I like Upstream Color a lot because I like the Malick style. So, yeah, if you're into more deeper, out-there science fiction, give Upstream Color a shout-out. Hmm. On the other end of not sci-fi, <laughs> more romance genre, I'm going to give Andrew High's 2000... Uh, I think I'm saying his last name right. High, H-A-I-G-H. Anyways, Probably. I'm going to give his 2011 film Weekend a shout-out. This is about two guys who... They're not really feeling comfortable with their straight friends, and then they meet one weekend and kind of fall for each other, but one of them is about to move out of the UK to Seattle. So it's about this little romantic weekend where they're keeping in touch but trying to understand that even though there's romance blooming between the two of them, one of them's about to to move to the other side of the globe. So that's a very sad, touching, really powerful romance film I'd recommend. Uh, finally, I'm going to give... I really like the three films Paul Thomas Anderson gave us this decade. The Master with Joaquin Phoenix and the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Inherent Vice, also Joaquin Phoenix, and a phenomenal Josh Brolin performance. You liked Inherent Vice? I did. I liked it a lot. Didn't we watch that in theaters together? Yeah, it was you, me, and our friend George, and I don't think you guys liked it that much. I remember... I don't want to down a movie that you obviously like, but... That movie, <laughs> no, was, no, do it. Bring it. Was, like stir the pot, man. Go for it. Fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it it's nothing happens in that movie. It's long. It's boring. Nothing was accomplished. The, there is no plot, and I guess that's the point. But no, I no, I refuse. I have to. I draw the line in the sand there. This movie has, your movie has to be about something. You're not fucking Seinfeld, okay? Like, <laughs> see, this is the contrast to be on like the screen. Colin says your movie has to be about something, and I say, you know, if Josh Brolin shoves a whole bunch of drugs into his face at the end of the movie, I- I'm okay with that. That's that's a star in my, <laughs> that's a good grade in my book. Who cares? I talked about really loving the Master and Inherent Vice, but I think of his three films. His third one with Daniel Day-Lewis, Phantom Thread, from 2017. That might be my favorite one he's done, not just this decade, but maybe his whole career. Love, love, love me some Phantom Thread. So all the PTA fans out there are going to give you guys a shout-out. <laughs> the PTA fans? Oh, Phantom yeah. Th- Paul Well, Thomas the director's Anderson. name is Paul. Oh, yeah, Paul Thomas. Okay. Yeah, Paul nice. Thomas I haven't Anderson. seen. I haven't seen 
many of his films. Call, so. Caleb, it's not to be confused when we get a call from the school and it's all like, hey, Colin's acting up again. We need to see you two at the PTA meeting. Yeah. I smeared poop <laughs> on the walls. <laughs> Josh Brolin would be for Anyways, let's uh, – I, I've said kind of all my honorable mentions, and I'm pretty much done here. Caleb, do you, are you done, or do you have any more? I don't think I have any more honorable mentions that we haven't already talked about. I do want to make uh, oh, a quick little note about I have one. our... Okay, you do yours, and then I'll okay, say I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead, no. Colin, go ahead. I, I, I think we've actually already talked about it a little bit. I can't remember it, but I really want to talk about it now that I saw my note. The Nice Guys. Huh? Huh? With, I don't think I've seen the nice guys. Oh, that's so sad. It's Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, freaking hilarious. Like, oh gosh, it's just uh, it's one of those movies that I've only seen it once and it stuck with me. It gave us one of the best lines ever that I'm gonna butcher, but essentially I'm gonna use it on my kids and my students in the future whenever they say. Whenever you're like, oh, what did you do this weekend? Oh, we just laid around and stuff. <laughs> like, so his daughter does that in the movie, and, like, he is constantly correcting her. He's like, don't say and stuff. Just say, we laid around. Don't say and stuff. And, like, nice. it it leads up to this point in the movie where they're, the daughter and the two guys are at this, like, essentially, like, pornography party where there's, like, a bunch of people who are topless and naked and, like, a bunch of debaucherous things are all happening everywhere. And this little girl is in the room with a bunch of other, like, obviously prostitutes or something. And then it just cuts to her talking to a prostitute. And the prostitute's like, well, you know, and then he just wanted to do anal and stuff. And the daughter goes, don't say and stuff. Just say he wanted to do anal. <laughs> I forgot about That's that. That's amazing. What a line. <laughs> It's one of my favorites. I, I love it, man. Anyway. The note that I wanted to add was, so I was I actually checked when, when we brought up Letterboxd Top 40 and we were kind of making comments about like how it's different and for like going to be different for like, for like the 90s and 80s because it's going to be more right, uh, right what yeah. people are currently commenting on. And I think there's an important note for us to make about the list that we look at on Letterboxd that like, at least from what I understand, from, I think we're looking at the same list, Jack. You can correct me. But... That list, I think, like updates depending on, like how frequently that film is um, commented on or rated, or so. Is is that right, Jack? Yeah, and that's actually that's a good note to kind of end this podcast on because I, I, I actually have one... just checked the top forty for the two thousand tens, and I like it's changed already, this, yeah. and like the Social Network and nineteen seventeen are on the list. And, and Little Women. Of, Isn't Little Women? And, yeah, too? and 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 Little Women. So like I don't think The Shape of Water or Deadpool or Far From Home is on the, on the top forty anymore. So I think that's worth mentioning at least. That oh, absolutely. it changes. And I do think a lot of this conversation about the two thousand tens is less about some type of oh, these are the films that need to be talked about. Right. And more of kind of about just general discussion of the multitude of films that came out this past decade if you don't yeah. mind me asking caleb you've seen both 1917 and little women where do you think you would put those films amongst our 40 we talked about well i actually still haven't seen little woman because i'm sticking to my like i want to read the book before i watch the film for very at bold least for very this nice one. um but 1917 i'd probably put 
I definitely put it in the top 15. If not, yeah, yeah, top 15. I wouldn't go any lower. I wouldn't. Um, I don't know that I'd put it in the top five, but it, it's in the five to 15 range. So the million dollar question I have to ask you. You ready for this, Colin? Oh, yeah. Does 1917 beat a rival? And that's all we got for you today, folks. This has been yelling. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, Wait, Colin, have you seen 1917? No, I have not. I'm sorry. Do you, do you know much about it? Uh, that it's good? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. I, I don't know. I've heard... So, I, it, it got the same kind of praise that Dunkirk got, where it's like, oh, you better see this in theaters, and it's like, well... Yeah. Oh well. Uh, yeah. Can't do that yeah, anymore. It's, it's one that you should see in theaters. Like I don't know that I want to rewatch it if it's not in theaters. Colin same, goes. Same, same 1917. I'm focusing on 2020, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best best film of the decades, 2020s. Let's start it up. Here we go. Number oh, one. Yeah, the, the best. <laughs> the Clone Wars last four episodes. <laughs> there we go. We got it in there. Well, I think that's all we got for today as far as finishing up the 2010s discussion. Do you have any last thoughts, gentlemen? Any final shout-outs? Don't say in stuff. <laughs> yep, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's my shout-out. Awesome. Don't, don't say and stuff. Very nice, Colin How about you, Caleb? No, I don't think I have anything else to say, really. Um, it was fun doing this. I'm looking forward to the other decades when we get to... Caleb, Colin, why don't you let our listeners give them a little preview shout-out of what we're going to be talking about next recording and stuff. Bruh. <laughs> I just Bruh. said. <laughs> so the next episode, if I correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're planning on discussing Isle of Dogs, directed by Wes Anderson. Is that right? Is that right, Jack? Yeah, yeah, that's just making sure you checked your notes and check, check, checking your text messages. Just making sure you check your notes. <laughs> well, joke's on you, Jack. I didn't, but Caleb did. Oh, I didn't check. I just, that was just off the top of my head. <laughs> I mean, you guys could have always picked a new movie there and it would have been. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, but oh, yeah, Jack, we were going to talk about uh... How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, Jim Carrey. <laughs> the Jim Carrey version, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> talk about the cinema. We mentioned earlier that we're all from Texas, so of course we got to give Wes Anderson some shout-outs. We're going to talk about his latest film, Isle of Dogs, next time, in honor of his new film, The French Dispatch, which may or may not be coming out this year based off all the corona stuff. <laughs> yeah, Colin watched Isle of Dogs for the first time recently, and back in the OG yelling at the screen days, it's something we wanted to talk about. So I'm going to give it a rewatch here in a bit. And yeah, Same. I, I plan get ready for that discussion. So, so do your homework, listeners. Go, go watch Isle of Dogs. Yeah. All right. That was a good episode. I feel good about what just happened. Here, let's do a little send off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's do a send off. Yeah. So, thank you for listening to Yell at the Screens. I'm Jack. I'm Caleb. And I'm always right. <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> You! Bruh. Bruh. Adios. (laughs) Bye-bye.
Come, my God. 